Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of The Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. My name is Allison Bobbitt, and I'm here as always with my husband, Mike Bobbitt. And Mike, you made me watch Willow. I did. And yes. I got to be honest with you, I am surprised that you liked it more than I imagined. Willow's always been on my radar, but not really so much until I was like maybe in middle school or high school was I even aware of it. Okay. But I just never watched it because. <laughs> I went through a phase as a small child where I thought kids only watch cartoons and nothing live action ever. <laughs> it was all for adults. And then as I got older, I don't know if it was just a thing where I didn't really watch movies when I hung out with my friends. You know, we would, you know, do other things like be mall rats and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, um, and, and it was one that even when I got to college, like it, it didn't really like I know people would talk about it and say oh i love willow i'm like yeah i don't i never saw it right so yeah we watched it last night and it was so delightful good it is a very sweet movie it's there's a lot of stuff about it that's really hilarious mm-hmm. um like the special effects which i know at the time were cutting edge but yeah, oh, yes yes <laughs> it, was it came very... out in 1988 yes the other thing is that i have always been aware of the name alora oh okay like, I know people who, like, name their children Alora, And uh, I think um, Quentin Hicks's um, kitty was named Alora. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I just, I always thought it was a pretty name. Never knew what it was from. Uh, and then I was like, oh, it's from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. All right. That checks out. I wonder if it is or if it has other history. Although, like, Quentin is definitely in the age where you know this could be a really important movie Mm -hmm. to him so i don't know so do you want to do a one minute recap so willow is the story of a man who finds a baby in a river um and this baby is part of a prophecy to take down the evil queen she's a princess so the evil queen is like all right, I know this baby's about to be born. Everybody who's about to have a baby, you need to be in prison with me so I can check to make sure that this baby isn't going to ruin my life. She finds the baby, but they managed to get her smuggled out. And now Willow is in charge of getting the baby to, is it Tyr Alzine or something? 
to help fulfill the prophecy and um and he does he helps get the baby where it needs to go with the help of um Rezel and Mad um Mad Mardigan Mad Mardigan and um boom that's it the end (laughs) (laughs) and they live happily ever after and they do live happily ever after um so let me give you a little bit of backstory of what the setting for 1988 when willow came out okay so this is post return of the jedi yeah and george lucas wrote the story for this Mm -hmm. and the idea was initially that he was going to direct it but then he ended up having Ron Howard, who he directed in American Graffiti, yes, direct it. Mm-hmm. So this is post Howard the Duck, which mm-hmm. was a humongous bomb. The idea of Willow, he wrote specifically for Warwick Davis mm-hmm. after meeting Warwick Davis on Return of the Jedi because Warwick plays Wicket. He wanted to make a story like everyone on the set of return of the jedi fell in love with warwick davis yes so this was george lucas's idea he was like i'm gonna make another big franchise like i did star wars but this one's gonna star warwick davis okay and um the movie did not do well it didn't bomb but no but it wasn't a mega hit like star wars it made back its money yeah like it wasn't a bomb but it wasn't a a blockbuster and he did continue the stories like in novel form there Mm -hmm. are three novels based on this character and Mm -hmm. actually there's a brand new willow series that is coming oh takes place whatever 30 years after yeah this takes place which i think is going to that be kind of cool lovely. and warwick davis is in that oh nice and I, I think it will as willow still yeah yay yeah. and i think it is like alora as an adult as an adult maybe yeah also just real quick the twins that play alora mm-hmm. are some of the cutest babies i've ever seen in my life like they're almost as cute as our son you know what's funny is they were so small they didn't have red hair, so they had to put red hair on them. But you can't put spirit gum on a baby. No, you can't put that on a baby. <laughs> and you can't staple them on like in Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> so I would never hurt an animal. I would never hurt an animal. So they had to just basically use syrup too. <laughs> just like this is sticky enough. Yep. It'll rinse out. And then. Because filming took too long, the twins got too big for mm-hmm. the movie, so they had another kid play Alora, <laughs> and it's really? uncredited because it's someone from the production's kid or oh, something like that. Oh, cute. Yeah. So, yeah, they're adorable babies. They're, I don't know how they got the shots they got. Well, how they got the shots is it's just a lockdown shot. Because the background's the same. Every time they cut away to the baby, it's like they just filmed the baby. As close for, as they could. Yeah, for yeah. a couple hours while people did various things off camera to get different reactions mm-hmm. from the baby. And then when they edited, they're like, okay, let's get a shot of the baby kind of raising one eyebrow like The Rock. <laughs> you know? oh, okay. Yeah. They just probably had a clip library and they're like, great, this is this one and this one. They did a great job. I want to, I just. That's all. That was my input. I don't want to knock Warwick Davis because I think he seems like a very delightful guy. And in all fairness to him, he was 17 years old. I was going to ask how old he was. Yeah, he was 17 when this was shot. I wonder if the script had like every line, Willow, 
parenthetical yelling. Because <laughs> that's how he delivers every line. Yeah. Mad Mod again? <laughs> no, that's not safe for a baby. He just seems very put upon in the entire film. He has one speed. And it's this speed. <laughs> oh, that's not safe for a baby. We're getting off here. Y- yes. Yeah. He he has one note in this film and it's fine. I'm not a wizard. He's a sorcerer. I'm it. not a sorcerer. It reminded me of listening to like, like a certain like speed metal band where everything is just blast beats. It's like, yeah. wow, just a little bit of variety would be really nice right now. <laughs> Why do you need variety? Speed metal's too loud for babies. <laughs> and you know what? The reason he got to play Wicket was Kenny Baker, who has a small cameo in this mm-hmm. movie. He plays one of the musicians along with Jack Purvis, and they were a comedy team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kenny Baker played R2-D2, and Jack Purvis is in all the Star Wars movies as well, playing a Jawa, and Ugnaught, and then an Ewok. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Purvis died very tragically uh, in an accident, mm-hmm. um, but... Kenny Baker got ill, so he couldn't play Wicket. So they had Warwick Davis do it. And Warwick Davis, being like 11 years old at the time, yeah. discovered that he could push his tongue through the little mouth hole of the Wicket costume. Yeah. And they thought that was charming. And I mean, he just won everyone over by being a kid. Yeah, which by I think being is adorable. Really, yeah. yeah. You have everyone being a on, child. Yeah. You have all the adults. You know, the leads, Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, just like weary from doing more Star Wars movies and cocaine. <laughs> and then you just have this delightful kid come in and yeah, uh, that's remind cute. them why they're making the movie. And uh, yeah, so this is nice too. Warwick Davis met his future wife on the set of this movie. Oh, really? Yeah. And mm-hmm. Joanne Wally and Val Kilmer got married shortly after this movie. They met on it and they had a couple of kids and then they split up, unfortunately. But But that is sweet. There is a lot of chemistry between the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if it's Bryce Dallas Howard, but Ron Howard's daughter Mm -hmm. is one of the villagers. I don't know if he has another daughter other than Bryce Dallas Howard. But um, you know what? I don't know. All the Indiana Jones movies up until Pat Roach died have Pat Roach in the movies playing different characters. Like he's the bald guy who fights Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark Mm -hmm. and gets chopped up by the propeller. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He plays General Kale, which I think is really neat because this is probably, as far as I know, the biggest role that he's ever had. Although he has a pretty big role in Conan the Barbarian as well. Yeah. But- yeah, I, I just thought it was kind of neat. Well, all right. And I told you that I had two name droppings for this movie. Yes. What was the joke you made? I said, isn't that how you decide which movies you're going to make me watch based on how many names you can drop into each episode? Love you. Tony Cox, who plays one of the uh, one of Von Carr's warriors, mm-hmm. he was the black one. He plays the owner of the topless bar in Meet Monica Velour that I play a patron in. And Rick Overton, who plays one of the brownies Mm -hmm. with uh, Kevin Pollack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays the judge in the, uh, or is it the the councilman or whatever in the episode of Togetherness that I'm in? Oh. 
with nice. Melanie Lewinsky. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Yes. So real quick, I looked up Ron Howard's children. Mm-hmm. He has three daughters oh, okay. and one son. Phil Fondacaro, who plays Vankar, the... The, the best the, warrior the best in the warrior, village. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, the I first saw him in Ghoulies too. Oh, really? And yeah, he he's still alive, and uh, he played an Ewok as well. And he just went to an audition when he was much younger uh, for Under the Rainbow, and got it, and just kind of fell in love with acting and Aww. you know loves doing horror movies he has a lot of horror movie credits mm-hmm. uh troll he's in bordello of blood <laughs> nice he has a great inspirational quote that he lives by it's not the size of the man in the fight but the size of the fight in the man oh that's lovely yeah uh and then to get sad uh me gosh was played by David Steinberg. Yeah. Who, yeah, he was a very accomplished theater actor. Yeah. And shared the stage with some amazing people. Yeah. And I feel like had a pretty good career. And maybe his career is not related to this at all, but he ended up killing himself yes. when he was only 45 years old. Yeah. He passed away about 11 years ago. Yeah. But he was in a lot of stuff. Like he was in Ugly Betty. He yeah. was in an episode of Charmed. Like he was a working actor. And then I found this to be another little sad thing. Mark Northover, who plays. Uh, Burgle cut <laughs> was fired from being a mall Santa because oh no the mall thought he was would frighten the children really yeah that's rude I mean he does have a very stern you know kind of look he he reminds me of um is it John Carroll Lynch who played like the clown in American Horror Story and played Drew yeah. Carey's brother mm-hmm. and was in yeah. uh, Zodiac. Yeah. He has that sort of look. Like menace. Like, yeah. Can can easily be scary. Yeah. He's if a he balding. kind of frowns a little too hard. Right. Yeah. He's a balding man who has a very, very stern looking eyes. Yes. Gavin O'Herlihy, who played Eric Yes. His dad directed a bunch of the original Star Treks. His dad was really? a uh, Star Trek director, like a television director. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's one of the bigger things that he did. He unfortunately died uh, about a month and a half ago. Yeah. And I didn't know that Billy Barty was a huge activist. During like our lifetimes, if someone was born with dwarfism because mm-hmm. of the American Disability Act or whatever, yeah. they weren't allowed to run for president. Yeah. So he ended up getting all these laws changed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, yeah. He was a huge um, activist for people who were born with any form of dwarfism, you know, mm-hmm. anyone um, who may have had any size related. Um, yeah. I, I hate to say disabilities because it's just kind of like it's not. I mean, it, I yeah, guess it, I, it can be a hindrance, but I, I don't know that it's yeah necessarily a disability. It's just you know sometimes it's a little bit harder to be smaller. But yeah. um, I mean, it's you know like with a lot of things, the world isn't necessarily defaulted for yeah someone under four ten. Yeah, like and, for example, and this is barely like a. I understand where they're coming from kind right. of thing. But 
when we bought this house, the couple who owned it before were very tall. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't see above my, sh- like below my shoulders in any mirror in this house. <laughs> yeah. Like they're made for tall people. So just imagine that literally everywhere you go where you might only be able to see the top of your head just trying to look into a mirror or, yeah. you know, a toilet is too high or any number of things. Billy Barty was, was a huge activist. Yeah. Billy Barty is, he's one of those character actors who I enjoyed a whole lot. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. Yeah. I knew Billy Barty um, because I used to watch a movie as a child called... Over and over and over again? Mm-hmm. Of, co- of course. Right. <laughs> I mean... You don't know how to watch a movie once. I n- no. No, if I like Except it. Except for The Road, <laughs> which reminds me... Uh, I just want to do... I don't know if he'll listen to this episode because he just kind of goes around to the episodes that he does... Uh, know the movies but nick kelly who has done two my most two recent tattoos Mm -hmm. uh listened to the road episode and really enjoyed the fact that i made fun of you for being sad while watching a sad movie listen and uh hopefully we'll have nick on the podcast soon because yes 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 i'll tell you when you find a good tattoo artist and the person that you and i had before uh, Jeff Shea unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Uh, you just want to keep going back to that person. Yeah, and exactly. So I got my first tattoo, which is a tribute to the late Dave Brocky from mm-hmm. Guar because he was uh, a friend. And- yeah, it was a friend and a mentor and, you know, really shaped my life in an important time. So I finally got around to getting something to kind of honor him. And then when I was going through one of the hardest periods of my life, uh, Gus, the guy who owns the comedy club in Madison, mm-hmm. uh, took me aside and said, remember, Mike, rough waters make strong captains. So I just got a tattoo that has that in a ship that Nick did. And uh, I really enjoyed. They turned out so great. Yeah, I really enjoy hanging out with Nick. He loves podcasts. He loves movies. And yeah. I think we really hit it off. And every time I go there. I end up scheduling my next appointment, yep. which I've never had that kind of relationship with a tattoo artist yeah, before. Where yeah. I'm like, all right, let's just keep doing this. Let's do this forever. Yeah. I knew Billy Barty from the movie The Rescuers Down Under. An animated movie? <laughs> An animated movie, yeah. I didn't know him, like know him, but I knew the name uh, because I think my, my parents might have commented like is that Billy Barty because he has a very specific voice mm-hmm. um, but yes he, he does a voice in um, The Rescuers Down Under he's um, Bait Mouse okay you know he's kind of down there on the on the cast list because obviously like the big stars of The Rescuers are Bob Newhart and Ava Gabor but like that was kind of my introduction to Billy Barty not really even knowing what he looked like just knowing the name oh okay is all I'm not sure when Val Kilmer ended up on my radar either. I I really like Val Kilmer in this a lot. I like that they let him improvise a lot. And it, it's kind of a shame that they cut out a lot of backstory with him, explaining his relationship with Eric and mm-hmm. uh, who Mad Mardigan was, because they kind of imply that he was some sort of great warrior and stuff like that. Yeah. And they also cut out a whole thing about Sorsha's dad, which apparently Queen Bevmorda turned her husband into stone. Oh. And yeah. And he 
basically tells Sersha, you're not a good guy in this. You know, you, you should probably go with Mad Mardigan and Willow because they're the ones that are doing the right thing. That's why she has the turn into being a hero from the villain. Aww. Yeah. And I, I would have liked to have seen some of that stuff. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah. This was edited very strangely, I felt. Yeah, I can see that. It almost felt like it was guilty of test audiences where they were like, mm. Mm, can you include like a funny scene here or something like that? Yeah. Where it, it almost seems like a little vignette of like, okay, and here's a little, here's a joke, you know, written by someone who doesn't understand humor yeah. at all. What do you think of the brownies like being like put in here and there? Do you think that was like a test audience thing or like... No, but I, I think it was one of those things because George Lucas really likes to try to push special effects. Mm -hmm. And I think it was one of those things where he really wanted to see how seamless he could do a composite thing like that. Mm -hmm. Because it might have been one of the first times that they had, you know, because there's like a scenes where they're in like a character's pocket and the character is moving around and then the brownies are shaking. Mm -hmm. I was distracted by how flat they looked. Yeah, they look like they're being projected onto yeah. whatever. Like, yeah, they look really flat. It, and it reminded me of the Phantom Menace where Jar Jar's feet aren't interacting oh, with the ground. Yeah. Where I was just like, okay, these guys are not interacting with the environment very much at all. Like, no. There were like a couple shots where you could tell they maybe like pulled on something to like accommodate maybe them like opening something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was really like they're not interacting with anything else. No. And even when they are, it doesn't really match up with the action. Like when he's swimming in the beer. Yeah. There's just there's splashes, but it's like he dives the other way and then there's a splash like uh -huh. behind him. It's kind of odd. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the same quality you'd see on SNL today. <laughs> <laughs> like the lighting was kind of different. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, which, you know, it, 1988 was very different. Yeah. You know, like like we were talking when we did Little Mermaid. That was one of the first movies that had ILM yeah. assist with the animation. The animation, yeah. Uh, which and also they, reminds me, too, thank you so much to Joe for posting all of that all additional of the trivia information about, yeah, about Little yeah. Mermaid mm -hmm. and it, correcting it cool. me from where I was wrong, too. Yeah. Was not the last hand animated. It was the last hand inked, I believe, is the way that. Oh, it. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Like now, you know, stuff just gets uh, kind of put in a computer. Yeah. And... Yeah. The brownies, I, I kept. They were thinking, very. Yeah. That it was shot over the course of like one or two days in a green studio. Yeah. <laughs> with just Rick Those Overton two. and Kevin Pollack. And apparently while they were shooting, I imagine they didn't have really long shoots mm -hmm. with the two of them because they probably didn't shoot with anyone else in the movie at all. I don't think so. And I don't see why they would. So they would just go out to clubs and do like improv sets together the oh, two of them funny. and robin williams joined them on stage one night that's so cool yeah oh that's awesome yeah i'm friends with rick overton on facebook mm -hmm. and i think i had to hide him oh no because i was like oh, there's just a, 
a lot. <laughs> yeah, it happens. Like I don't remember what it was specifically, but I was just like, all right, all right, soapbox. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I I felt similarly about the um about the brownies where it really a lot of the special effects either looked super just projected, or you could tell that they were like stop motion claymation like the two-headed monster oh yeah was ve- i was like it looks a little weird because it's clay and all of the other like creature monsters that were in the movie were like people in costume or like the <laughs> or quite cleverly just like something placed over the top of an actual dog mm-hmm. oh yeah though that was rubber masks on rottweilers yeah yeah i was gonna say i'm like it was really funny because they had these like long rat tails too it was just like if you put like a sheep skin over a dog you know yeah I feel it was very like, bugs bunny <laughs> i felt like i really missed something with that two-headed dragon thing so when the troll got killed it, it like, ripped its stuff apart and like the two worms came out of the troll. So would that happen if you killed any troll or what the fuck happened? I don't know. I just know like so the troll like melted or whatever. Right. And then there were like the two like skulls kind of popped out and then it fell into the moat. Mm. And then the moat started boiling and I was like, oh, that's weird. Whatever. And then all of a sudden a two headed like monster came out and I'm like. I don't understand what happened. Is it because of the magic or is it because that's what happens to trolls? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, I was completely lost. The uh, two-headed troll, by the way, or two-headed dragon was named Eber Sisk. Oh, for Siskel and Eber? Yeah. That's funny. I really think that the two kids who play Willow's kids, who are like 10 years younger than him in real life, yeah. were both delightful. They were so cute. And they didn't really go on to do any more acting but wasn't it a huge casting call for little people like oh over this is like hundred or two hundred yeah, something like two yeah two hundred some it's probably the movie with the most little people actors mm-hmm. ever but yeah those two kids were really delightful they were they were so cute the little girl i think mims yeah um has when the dog first shows up, like looking for um, Alora, she's kind of stuck up on a on a wagon and she can't like get down and she doesn't know where her dad is, mm-hmm. and she cries and I it broke. She was so good, she broke my little heart. I was like, oh my god, this poor little sweetie, and she yeah. was fine. They were great, like they were funny. She went to school in Michigan at Grand Valley State. Did she really? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, she's your age. Is she really? Yeah. Yeah. Is she still in Michigan or doesn't say? I don't know. The the IMD, it, she didn't do any more acting. Oh, She okay. just did that and it said enrolled at, but she would be 39. Yeah, so, <laughs> so what about, I, yeah, I she would have been in college in like the early 2000s, yeah. so. And, um, you know, maybe she is still. I mean, you're taking classes, so yeah, that's yeah. true. So who knows? She was great. All the kids in the movie were really good. I mean, oh, not that there were his a ton, wife but too. She was great. Here's a here's a neat thing about that. Not an actor, really. She was a secretary. Oh and my god, like, hey, she uh, was so good. Yeah, and you know, probably did extra casting, and they were like, "Hey, you have a really good look, like a maternal look. Mm-hmm. Do you want to play Kaya?" And yeah, that's like her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she did a couple, you know, a handful of stuff mm-hmm. uh, after that. But yeah, I'm like... She was I w- really good, yeah. I could 
have stood for a longer version of this movie where you get to know the characters a little bit better. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know there's kind of... It, it's a journey movie yeah so there's a lot you know that you kind of have to go through that's such a problem with george lucas where george lucas writes events better than he writes characters people yeah and this movie shares a lot of the same beats as the star wars trilogy Mm -hmm. and throw in some bible stuff too you know it's like okay so the baby is definitely like a Moses thing. Oh, yeah. Like and then, the baby down the river. I was yeah. Like, okay. And then, you know, kill the firstborn. You know, yeah. there's a lot of that stuff. But then, okay, let's have a, a menacing heavy who works for the bad guys mm-hmm. who is dressed all in black and his face is in a mask. Yeah, his face is in a mask, <laughs> yeah. which is just like a scary skull. I did like Fan Razel or Tan Razel or... Some Finn Razel. Oh yeah, yeah. Finn Razel, the um, the who, good witch. The good witch, basically, who starts off as like a like a possum or like a bush baby or something. Mm-hmm. Very cute. I don't know if it's that I prefer this or what, because I I've noticed that a lot of times when you see animals nowadays where they're supposed to talk, they make their mouths move like humans, which bothers me because. Mm-hmm. Their jaws are totally different. Their mouths are different. It doesn't look natural to me. But they just had her mouth like open and close like a puppet. Right. And I just thought it looked so much better. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so, it was very cute um, when she's the little possum. And like a, like an Australian possum, not like a, like a U.S. possum that just looks, you know, mm-hmm. slightly scary, but still cute. The the special effects when she's like, all right, Willow, you have to use the wand to turn me back into my human form. And it just looks like dryer lint. And then they just pushed feathers. through. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right. Uh, and then she's a, a crow. And then she's a goat. Yep. And then she turns into a bunch of different things while um, Willow's finally able to turn her. But yeah, he turns her back into uh, her human form and she's an old lady and she's like, oh my God, I didn't realize it's been so long because she was in this animal form uh, because, is it Bev Melda? Mm. The evil queen had uh, banished her and turned her into an animal so that she couldn't escape I always think it's funny, too, that Dennis Muren, who did the special effects for this and Star Wars and stuff like that, you know, he worked uncredited on Willy Wonka, Mm -hmm. but his first, like, real technical, uh, like, first, like, really credited work is on Flesh Gordon. (laughs) (laughs) He went from Flesh Gordon to Star Wars. Oh, well. But then after this... He did The Abyss, and The Abyss with the water creature, which you still haven't seen The Abyss. Mm -mm. There's a scene in The Abyss that really, this is just a year ahead of its time, where in 89, The Abyss comes out. It's such a huge jump Mm -hmm. in CG technology. Yeah. And then two years after that, you get Terminator 2. And then two Mm -hmm. years after that, you get Jurassic Park. Like, it just... I think the coolest thing about CG and special effects in general is that they have found the perfect way to do them, which is to marry the two practical and computer. Mm -hmm. I really, really enjoyed this a lot. I thought, I mean, I feel like I don't know why I put it off so long. I think part of me put it off because I was like, 
this is a movie that, you know, like people love because they saw it when they were kids. And sometimes I'm very hesitant to watch those kind of movies because they get hyped up so hard. Like, I know I'm guilty of it. Where I'm like, I love this movie as a kid. And then you watch it as an adult and you're like, okay. <laughs> like it's- and you know what? Honestly, that's how I feel about it now where watching it, I was like, huh. Why don't we own this on Blu-ray? Oh, <laughs> I was very charmed by it. I think a big part of it was also like, oh, like some things started coming together for me, like the name Alora, or like because people have told me stuff about Willow forever, and uh, it just it all came together. So I think it was kind of that. It's like watching Citizen Kane for the first time, where you realize where all this stuff. All these callbacks all came from, you know, like those um, often parodied things in popular culture kind of click and they make sense to you because you're like, oh, it's from this. I think that was maybe part of the magic for me. I getcha. So you weren't annoyed that for a good 30 minutes before the movie, I kept going, you are great. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> uh, I was you were like, you're going to really you're you're, you'll get it soon i'm like okay and then it happened and i was like (laughs) that's funny (laughs) silly i believe if my math is right this is the third val kilmer movie we watch for the podcast mcgruber mcgruber and top secret (gasps) oh with the the sort of like the airplane movie i was thinking of private eyes okay (laughs) yes he's the he's the Elvis Beach Boys. Yeah. Yeah. I have such a newfound respect for Val Kilmer. Like, I've always been like, oh, yeah, he's fine. But, uh, nah, I'm going to say I think he's better than fine. I think Val Kilmer is great. He just had a doc come out, didn't he, about his life? I think I'd like to watch that now. I I heard it's really, really good because it kind of talks about... You know, his battle of his cancer. Battle with cancer. Um, but yeah, like I am still bummed. Time to do an L.A. thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, his Mark Twain one man show was playing when we were in L.A. And I, mm-hmm. I wish we would have been able to go see. Yeah. It. Oh, well, it's OK. Well, thank you very much for watching this. Absolutely. Thank you for making me watch it. I really liked it. All right. I love you. I love you, too. OK. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, you're cool.